Hey babes, Topher here. Right up top, we forgot to include a little care warning that this episode does deal with suicide and suicidality. We do take it in a lighthearted tone. That is not to say that it's not serious or that we don't care about these things. But yeah, we just wanted to let you know that that is going to happen here and that we are going to have that be a part of this. And enjoy. See you in a sec. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. Well, welcome to Horror or Nah. Heathers. Yeah, we're doing Heathers today. I'm Topher, as usual, and with me today is... Heather. Almost. Nicole. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, Heather. We also... Veronica. Oh my god. If nobody nobody knows this, it's also a musical. It's a really good musical. A really good musical. I listen to it all the time. It might be one of my favorites, so... Anyway... Um, welcome to yeah. Horror Nah. Excuse, that's my line. I'm sorry, Heather. All right, Heather. You are the guest here. It's hard for me to play that role of Learn the guest. It. Also, please excuse my voice. I'm a little under the weather. All right, host. Yeah. What's going on today? <laughs> Apparently, I'm losing my spot. Today, we are talking about the unapproachable, unseatable 1989's Heathers, directed by Michael Lehman. Daniel Waters wrote this. We've got Winona Ryder. We've got Winona Forever. We've got Shannon Doherty. Hey. And Francis Kenny on cinematography. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, what's the structure again? Um, you know, we kind of play fast and loose with structure here. Uh, when you're not in the room, I tend to just sort of say like, "Guys, Nicole's not here. Let's just fuck it up. Just do anything we want. We can do anything we want. The boss is gone." You think I'm the boss? Well, I mean, Tony Danza's not here. Okay. And neither is Bruce Springsteen, so someone has to be. All right, so should I take us away with plot? (laughs) So what we're going to do today, you know what the show is. We are going to be sitting down and discussing whether or not the fantastic, wonderful movie, and I think we're going to stick to movie, right? We're not going to really bring in the musical except for jokes? Might on accident. Yeah. Yeah, I might bring it up on accident. I don't know, just because I love it so much and I listen to it all the time. I mean, likewise. And sometimes I get them confused, but I'm going to try to stick to the movie. Yeah, and I think neither of us has seen the TV show, and it doesn't really matter. There's a TV show? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Shannon Doherty was in it for a second. They tried. It was going to be, I think, like a Riverdale sort of thing. Got it. What we have here is that we're, yeah, we're going to look at this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pretty light on plot this time. I don't think that it's super... It's not really a convoluted plot. No. It's basically a series of deaths. It's and mean a couple girls, reveals. but more morbid, so... Yeah. yeah. Jawbreaker, but less morbid. Yeah, we've... We've all seen Josie it. and the Pussycats, but ten times more morbid. It's yeah. There's a structure to these things. Yeah. But yeah, then we'll sort of dive into <coughs> we'll we'll do the usual thing. We'll talk about horror broadly. We'll then we'll sort of narrow back in and discuss Heathers and whether or not it does count as horror, and then kind of zoom out just a touch and have a little uh, pedagogy moment at the end. We'll die a little a uh, little dialectic. Cool. Dialogue, not dialectic. I'm an idiot. I was gonna say that's a. Word sounds cool. Yeah. Anyway. All right. right. Go for it. So plot. Take it, babe. We start the movie at Westerberg High in Sherwood, Ohio. We've got Veronica Sawyer played by Winona Ryder. She's popular. She's one of the popular girls with the three Heathers. Heather Chandler, Heather Duke, and Heather McNamara. Yeah. So, and much like Mean Girls, they're popular, but they're also feared and essentially hated but no one's and well yes they're mean um no one's going to admit that you know they hate them but everyone does yeah and you kind of see a small glimmer of maybe veronica's life before the heathers she maybe hasn't always been popular because she does have some sympathy for other students who are maybe a little more quote-unquote like nerdy mm-hmm. like there's martha Dun- dunstock right yeah that isn't that her right. name yeah so then we've got a new student he rolls into town he's got a big long black trench coat so we kind of oh it's such a duster yeah we can kind of assume where this is going his name <laughs> is jason dean or jd mm-hmm. he rolls up and Kurt Kelly and Ram Sweeney in the cafeteria start, you know, new kid, new kid, like making fun of him. He pulls a gun. He fires blanks at them. And Veronica's like, who the fuck is this? I am wet. And um, <laughs> <laughs> weren't we all in 1989 for Christmas, for Christmas later? later? He's Foyne in like a very scary way, which I think is why he's perfect for this role. Oh, yeah. And so then we kind of cut to Veronica is at a frat party with Heather Chandler and 
Veronica's not feeling it. She's no. having one of those nights where she's just like, I don't even want to be here. I don't know where I'd rather be, but probably just anywhere but here. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of sick of Heather's shit. I think all of them. And she doesn't want to have sex with this frat guy who's trying to have sex with her. And I guess she's maybe had too much to drink or something. She, yeah, she's she cross-bated, I think. She throws up on, yeah. on, Heather's, on Heather. And Heather vows to destroy her reputation, of course. Mm-hmm. JD shows up at Veronica's house mm-hmm. and they have sex outside. Mm-hmm. Um, after playing a game of croquet, which is really funny, that's such like a thing in this movie is the yeah, game of croquet. Yeah, it's very cute. And then when they're in this vulnerable situation, Veronica confesses her hatred for mainly Heather Chandler, the mm-hmm. HBIC. You know, she's like, I fucking hate her, and you know what she does to our like community and everything, and wishes she would die. Right. So the next morning, Veronica and JD break into Heather's house. JD starts jokingly puts like all the all these chemicals in a mug, like fucking drain cleaner maybe there's some windex it ends up being blue so i'm like is there windex in there or something i don't know well the drain cleaner's blue oh is it okay yeah yeah. and it's supposed to be like a hangover cure but then he's like no let's just poison her instead yeah yeah well it's so funny because like that scene kind of cracks me up because it's like veronica's just like let's put milk in her orange juice and like hawk a loogie in it or something right and jd's like let's fucking kill a bitch (laughs) and you're just kind of like um I mean, I guess she Are just, you an edgelord? Are you going to just kill somebody? Well, it's like, I think she's just like, this is this guy's like sense of humor or something, which right. like mistake number one. Edgelord, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a 4chan kind of kid. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's unclear, but also very clear mm-hmm. that JD grabs the wrong cup. Yeah. Right? Like, it, like you think that it's, they try to, they try to play it off as like, oh, we're just going really quickly because we heard her like stirring or something. I don't know, yeah, something like yeah. that. But I think we kind of have an idea of JD's motives at this point, and or sort of like mm-hmm. you can speculate as a yeah. as an audience. We can member. dive in more later, yeah. But anyway, um, Heather Chandler drinks the drain cleaner and obviously dies crashing through the glass table that's in her room, which is a great scene. Yes, just her smashing into that and yeah. that glass shattering yeah. is great. Veronica obviously panics, but JD is just like has this plan that he just kind of grabs out of thin air. Nowhere, yeah. Yeah, let's let's write her a suicide note in Heather's handwriting. You probably know it, right, Veronica? And we'll just forge it and make it look like she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. It's like he hasn't done this before, has he? (laughs) (laughs) So everyone believes it. The school and the community. No one kind of thinks twice because high school suicide. Mm-hmm. That it's a thing. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. <laughs> oh wait, that's no, teenage suicide. Don't do it. That's the song. Oh, teenage. Yeah. So then Heather Duke is the next in line for the crown, I guess you could say. Yeah, there's a there's Queen a series Bee. of succession or whatever. People start to show their quote unquote true feelings towards Heather, which is funny because. It like comes on the TV and Veronica and JD are watching it and it's like people praising her and yep. Veronica's like you fucking hated her like yeah and now they're kind of pissed that like her death has just made her more popular yes and made her more of like mm-hmm. this entity so then we move on to our next victims Kurt and Ram and they you know they're just big bullies big dumb jock bullies yeah they suck and this is when heather mcnamara has veronica go on the double date with her and kurt and the boys of course end up drunk and passing out in mud because we're in ohio yeah they're going cow tipping Um, yes that's right that's right so kurt and ram spread a rumor about veronica giving them head yeah both of them yeah which you know in high school that ruins your reputation sure does shouldn't but does yeah so jd says to veronica let's lure them into the woods make the rumor true mm-hmm. and then he, he comes in with these eklug bullets that he says that were used in like world war Two or something yeah and that it, they're not going to kill them it's just going to knock them out um and all of that happens. Veronica quickly realizes that the bullets are real after JD shoots Ram, but yeah. then he chases Kurt back towards Veronica, who fatally shoots him. JD plants, you know, gay materials, saying like, you know, we <laughs> died. Quote unquote, we- gay materials. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. That's that's literally God. what it says. I, one of my favorite one of my favorite lines in this movie is he holds up the body of Perrier and goes, "They were fags." Yes, and it's just. Ugh. Yeah. It's such a funny, it's a great line read. It's so dumb on the face of it of it's, like, ah, 
It's mineral water. If mineral water makes you gay, then I'm really gay. Yeah. I, I'm made up of <laughs> mineral water pretty much. Well, it's funny, like, thinking back, that's uh, the connection back to last week, the last horror or not episode, is mm. that uh, Patrick Bateman constantly asks for mineral water. Hmm. He too enjoys Perrier. LaCroix forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing at gay materials. Yeah. That, like, what does that even mean? I know what it means, but it's wrong. Anyway. So then the suicides start rolling. Yeah. Uh, Martha Dunstock pins a suicide note to her chest and walks into traffic. She survives but is badly injured, and it's so... It doesn't work for her. Well, it would have been sad either way, obviously, if she had died, but it's also sad because now the kids are like, oh, she was trying to be popular, but she couldn't even kill herself right. Mm -hmm. She can't do anything right. And I'm like, God damn it. That's so fucked up. Then there's this scene where Heather McNamara calls in to like a radio show and talks about Mm -hmm. how depressed she is and JD and Heather hear it. She attempts to take her life by overdosing on pills in the girl's bathroom, but Veronica kind of intercepts and saves her. Yeah. So then Veronica's like, okay, I've had enough and tells JD that she's she's done. She's done with this like Bonnie and Clyde sort of deal. But then JD blackmails Heather Duke into getting everyone to sign this petition that's actually going to be a mass suicide note. Mm -hmm. Uh, Duke does as she's asked, of course, because you're in high school. Someone asks you to sign a petition. I guess you just do it. I don't know. You don't know any better. Veronica starts having guilty dreams, pretty much. And she wakes up and makes a suicide note in her own diary. She pretends to hang herself as JD climbs into her room with actually a gun to kill her. Right. Um, Because she's in the way of his plans. Yeah. But Veronica has... And dumped him. Yes, and dumped him. Like, that would have been enough. Like, toxic masculinity, that Mm -hmm. would have been enough for a lot of men to kill someone, and that's horrifying. Yes. But she pretends to hang herself, which ends up saving her. But she, I mean, she used a harness, so she's fine. JD kind of, like, rambles about his plan to blow up the school during the pep rally, so Veronica now knows JD's plan. Mm-hmm. Veronica, her mo- her poor mom, <laughs> walks in and, like, sees her hanging, and then and she's like, no, 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 I'm not dead. I'm not dead. It's fine. <laughs> At school, she goes up to JD and she's she finds him in the boiler room. Right. Where he's <laughs> casual rigging explosives. Just big old bombs. You know, she Veronica shoots JD mm-hmm. because he's like refusing to stop the bomb, and we think that you know that's the only way he's going to stop it. As he collapses, though, he like stabs the timer yeah. or whatever, and and it stops. Right. So then, let's see. So then Veronica walks out through the pep rally and severely injured JD. He ain't doing well. No, Follows- he's rough. He follows her outside with a bomb strapped to his chest and kind of, you know, gives his last words, I guess, mm-hmm. and then detonates the bomb. Yep. So then Veronica, I, I guess the thing that represents who's Queen Bee is this red scrunchie. So yes. Veronica goes up to Heather Duke and is like, give me that shit. I am, like, done with this bullshit. We're not going to be mean to each other anymore. And then she extends an olive branch to Martha Dunstock and says, like, can we hang out on prom night? Because my date blew me me off. off. Yeah, there's some sort of pun there. Oh, fuck, what's the last line? It's it's at least in the musical. I don't remember about the movie, but oh, it's yeah. awesome. And yeah, and then the movie ends in with a beautiful bow on it with a lot of people dead, but Martha and Veronica walk down the hallway and Heather Duke watches as mm-hmm. the entire school changes. Just like in Mean Girls, that like last scene where they right. are all on like, I guess we can call it a quad or the lawn or whatever. Yeah. They're all just like hanging out, mixed groups and all that stuff. So, And that's the plot, guys. It's really, again, like I said, it is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. So this is, I guess, where we're just going to jump in and start talking about horror broadly. You and I have talked a little bit about this when I was like first bringing the idea of this project up to you mm-hmm. um, before we even kicked all of this off. I'd like to sort of dive in a little bit and kind of get more into a couple of things. Um, one thing that I want to do that we that I did with Matt, but I didn't really do with Joseph that much. We touched on it out of like roundabout okay. way, but I kind of want to first ask you, I don't want to just say, like, what's your history of this movie? I want to say, like, why bring this in to talk about it as a horror movie? And I don't mean to, like, give your whole argument right away, but, like, what is it about Heather's that makes you want to dive in on it? 
So I'm going to be upfront and say I don't know if it's a horror film yet. I may or may not decide by the end of this conversation, <laughs> but that's why we have the conversation. So I saw this movie, I think I was in college. I, I think it was just one of those, like, I saw that Winona Ryder was in it, mm-hmm. and it was, like, probably came up, like, because you watched, like, Mean Girls or Clueless or, you know, sure. something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm in the mood for that type of movie. And I just yeah. watched it, and then I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but it's fucking but it's, amazing. No, I loved it, of course. It's, like, right up my alley, yeah. all of my aesthetics, <laughs> like, all of that. <laughs> so, I mean, I was obsessed with it. So, what's interesting about this movie to me is I know we haven't really discussed Rosemary's Baby yet, which but uh, but yeah, I'm we haven't very, done it on mic yet. Yeah. We have not put it on mic yet, but I'm very excited to. And this I promise is not even a spoiler for that episode because I have so much to say about that movie. <laughs> it's um, gonna be six hours long. I'm gonna be stuck in editing hell for a week. Yes, but something about Heather's that struck me is that in a lot of horror films, the victims they. For lack of like a better phrase, they put themselves in the situation. They go to a cabin. They go to, like in The Shining, they go to this place where everything happens. Yeah, I'd say that's the case for a lot of them. They separate themselves from, but in this particular movie, the, I guess, beacon of horror Mm -hmm. comes to them. Cool. And wreaks havoc in a very manipulative and calculative way. Right. And I think that that is something that is scary. I don't know if it qualifies as a horror film yet, but there are definitely elements there. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's a good segue to talk about sort of how we feel about horror broadly. Why don't you kick us off? Because I've got to grab a pen and paper and sort of like jot down some notes so I can think. Sure. (laughs) Because it's 10 o'clock in the fucking morning. So I did listen to the episode. I may listen to both of them with you and Matt and you and Joseph. Enjoyed them immensely. If you're listening to this and you have not listened to those, please go back and listen to them. It They're very fun, and I love hearing other people's... I had a lot of fun doing both of them. Yeah, I love I love hearing everyone's opinions on what horror is and what it isn't and all this stuff. So my personal opinion about horror films is there has to be something in it... So there are two there are two categories for me. I know there are multiple categories technically, but for me, there are two categories. There's camp... Like campy, like silly gore, you know, like I'll put Evil Dead in there. I'll put like, like things that don't scare me. I'm not. The original three Evil Deads at least. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what I mean when I say Evil Dead, just for the record. But yeah. So category one for me is like something, something super fun, but it's like got that gore that you look at and you're like, Ooh, you know, you're just like, like, yeah. Not Dawn of the Dead, but Day of the Dead. Yeah. The really silly one uh, from 84. Where like, where, like, it has elements in it that are, like, scary, but right. it's not going to, like, give you a nightmare, you know? like it, Other than Nightmare on Elm Street, that's the one that's probably going to sit in the middle, I'm going to guess. That's fine, yeah. I would still consider those horror films, even though I am not afraid of them, and I don't think a lot of people are afraid of them. No. Um, I think they're fun, I think they're silly, and I think that they have their, you know, own place in the genre itself. And then, number two, would be something that just rocks you to your core. Sure. And can potentially keep you up at night. Some, for me, were Creep. That one completely rocked me to my core and I could not sleep. And I think it also is something that plays on common fears that people have. Like, what was The Descent? That movie we watched this October. In short, it's about a couple of girls who go spelunking. That's like their hobby, their thing. Yeah, they're thrill seekers, yeah. Yeah, and this girl took them down on this grand adventure, but but it's an undiscovered cave. Yeah. So there's a lot of like claustrophobia going so on well in done. my head here. It's so well and done. It's it it was really well done, and that movie plays on you know I think that and I know that this is probably intentional for a lot of horror films. They play on very common phobias that people have, such as you know claustrophobia and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But those those types of movies are meant to scare people and, yes. and to like shake you to your core and make you think about them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project is like that for me. Totally. People think that it's not scary. I've been watching that movie for 20 years and it still scares the shit out of me. I think it's scary. I am very afraid of Blair Witch Project. It's goreless. I think it's like there's a little bit of blood but it's like literally like a little bit. Yeah. Well, on that's... like the, the, the flannel. Well and I love I love that you don't need that to feel scared. Mm-hmm. There's um, no gore. There's no body count. Yeah, and that that movie is a testament to that. 
I think found footage is my like little subgenre that is um, yeah, that terrifies me the most. Especially when it's done well. Yes, exactly. So those are the two categories of horror for me. Like mm-hmm. like if I were to simplify it, it would be those two. There are ones that kind of you think about it long after you've watched it, but mm-hmm. you still want to go back to it and watch it again because you're like, yeah. oh my god, like that was terrifying. And then there are the campy silly ones with some you know fun gore or weird monsters mm-hmm. and slasher films alike. You know, like those. Yeah. Those ones that don't actually scare you, but they're obviously horror films. Tucker and, and Dale fun. falls in that category too, yes, I think. I yeah. love that one. I know, it's one of your favorites. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, I would say broadly that's what horror is to me. Awesome. So cool. Camp, I wrote down camp versus earth shatter. Yeah, exactly. And that is actually how I view movies in general. Like there yeah. are movies that I can watch that anytime. Really, oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm just realizing that that is your two categories of movies, yeah. camp and things that wreck you. Yeah. No, that's absolutely <laughs> right. Because, and, and the, the, the camp ones can sometimes also be like romantic, like dramas or, you know, whatever. But they're, they're we movies. We both sobbed at. Crazy Rich Asians. And. What was the other Definitely one? Maybe. No, that's the Ryan Reynolds one. Yeah, uh, I Always Be My Maybe. Oh, that one was so good. But yeah, they're the movies that I consider my matzo ball, my vegetarian matzo ball soup movie. Yep. And then there are the movies that they're tough for me to watch. Yeah. And that's fine because sometimes you need to like feel that. And you need to be challenged and confront things. Yeah, exactly. It's part of the human experience to... To, it's it's healthy to confront those emotions consistently. And I think yeah. fear is one of those. I think it's a very astute and wise observation. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that's, so that's how I view movies in general. And then that is also how I view the horror genre. Yeah, cool. How do, how do you define a horror film? Well, that's what I'm trying to find out. You know, yeah. I, I've been trying to, I think I've done a little bit of a disservice mm-hmm. in that I haven't really gone into what I think horror is. And part of that, the part of me that wants to be like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong make excuses for myself is you know, wants to say, well, it's because I don't know. And that's why I'm doing this whole thing. But I do. Cause I do say something is or is not horror to me. Right. Sometimes um, it's just hard to articulate. And yeah. And that. I think that, that I'm doing a disservice by asking you and Joseph and Matt and whoever else to come on and not offering that up, like sort of sitting over here. Well, do you want to tell us what you know so far? You don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. My views on horror are unfortunately parallel to that stupid thing that really to quote from the Supreme court. Mm-hmm. about the First Amendment and pornography. I don't know what pornography is. I can't define it or whatever, but I know it when I see it. Oh, gotcha. I hate relying on that, but that is kind of my view on horror. There are a lot of movies. I, I, I want the horror canon to be a big tent, right? I want this to be a broad genre because I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is too. I like it when you say, it resonates with me when you say like, horror is not necessarily a genre, it's a setting. Yeah, and that's how I view it a lot of the time, but it's so mutable to me too. Well, and I think that's why it's so broad as well, because we've just got, we've got so many quote unquote like sub genres within it. And we've got, I mean, just so many people have done so many things. Like let's look at something all the way from Jaws. Yeah. which we deemed was a horror film. Yeah. Set in the ocean on mm-hmm. the beach. Let's go to Midsummer. We're in Sweden. Let's yeah. go, you know, to The Shining. We're in a cabin in the woods or mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like you can put it anywhere. A monster can find you anywhere. Yeah. is the thing. And I think it's yeah. So what I want to I, I guess what I really want to say that horror is, is I do just think it's a setting and I think it's a setting that unsettles you. Yes. You were talking about camp and movies that don't scare you, but I'm still unsettled when I watch Evil Dead. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean the the deer scene, the the uh fuck. If you are uh, empathetic at all and you put yourself in the position that anyone is in in a horror film, you will feel unsettled. Yeah. And there's been plenty of horror movies that I don't enjoy or ones that I didn't find scary or what have you, but I was still they might scare off. someone else. Yeah. You know? Well, and I can see why it's terrifying, too. Like, Objectively, I'm not yeah. scared by everything that I'm supposed to be scared by in Ju'on, the, what the grudge was based on. Right. I'm not scared by everything in that because a lot of that is a cultural context. I know the things that are supposed to be scary to me, but they don't scare me. But I recognize them, right? Because it's a cultural difference. Yeah. There's Goodnight Mommy. Like, that movie mm-hmm. freaks me the fuck out. But I know that there's certain things that I'm going to be missing because it's in, they're in Austria. It's an Austro, Austro-German film, I think that's how you say that, or Austrian-German film. Right. So, yeah, I know that there's things that I'm missing. I'm still scared of parts of it. Yeah. But the, the parts that sort of transcend 
yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to horror, and I think that that's. I haven't been sure how to define it. And as some as somebody who makes it, yeah, uh, film and fiction, like. And I think that's okay. I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. I think it's good to dive into, obviously, or else we wouldn't be doing this. Right. But I definitely think it's okay to just like if you know it when you see it. Yeah. And it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Then you know. Then we then we can talk about it and and figure that part out. But I don't even think it's a question that you have to have an answer to anytime soon yeah (laughs) i know it's just it's i I felt bad because i'm having everybody who comes on here i ask them to have something of an answer for it well it doesn't make you any less credible i think it's good to ask questions and i honestly would be a little more skeptical about someone who is like i know everything this is what it is and this is what it is and i'm not budging i'm not so you're saying i'm a journalist yes and a very good journalist yes and i should get a pulitzer prize Yes. Cool. Nominating officially. <laughs> I'm nominating you. Yeah. Okay. So, so we let's got... let's let's zoom in then. Yeah. Let's zoom in. Let's talk about Heather's a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, to zoom in the most, let's look at JD. Right. He he's had a troubled past. He doesn't have a mother. He reveals in a couple scenes that like last time he saw his mom, like she's just been on the go. Like she left their family, and I think maybe his dad tried to follow her or chase after her or something. Well, it's implied that she's an addict. Yeah, it's implied that she has her own issues and that she just kind of abandoned the family and she's just moving around like she's living out of a car maybe. or like yeah. There's something going on where like I think that they are in a sense chasing her and trying to make sure she's okay or at least his father mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And he sees her sporadically and she's probably not doing well when he sees her. And then his all of the adults in this movie are very absent very absent so even veronica's mother and father never ask her questions they're just eating pate yes on the back porch what is the line great pate got a motor yeah she says it like 10 times (laughs) um and i've always found that interesting in a lot of teen movies even in most recently like uh, uh stranger things a series on netflix the adults are very absent other than winona and hopper yeah a little bit mike's mom well, but mostly to be horny for Well, no, Billy. Mrs. I'm specifically talking about Mrs. Wheeler. She is only there for her own motives. Like, she, yeah. she never asks questions about her kids, maybe occasionally. But I viewed her as very absent. That's fair. Um, More, less so than his dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's the joke. That's the joke, yeah. yeah. But anyway, back to Heather's. Um, the adults in this movie are very absent. Sure. And um, that's obviously on purpose because I'm sure adults would have intervened if they were, you know, there. Yeah. But So I would say, just to jump in, I think that that's already a point where it, le- it at least mirrors a horror movie. Because I'm, I'm willing to buy that this could be. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if it wasn't plausibly, we wouldn't be doing this. Like, I, I want to be clear that I'm not gonna, ever going to bring... Something, something on that you know that is yeah. I, it's always about the borderline with this um yeah. so to be clear heather's is listed as a dark comedy or a black comedy yeah it's never listed as a horror movie and that's, that's the case correct. for american psycho the when i rented the book from the public library mm-hmm. it was in the horror section but, but the movie is not the movie is not the movie is consistently yeah. labeled a psychological thriller or a black comedy jaws is usually labeled an action or a blockbuster or thriller or something like that so just to be right. clear that like every time there's a movie on this podcast it's never going to have an official listing as horror so the argument for me for it to not be a horror film is that maybe it's just a cautionary tale or mm-hmm. like you know something like that um because yes we can consider jd a monster Oh yeah, he's a monster. He's he's the scariest kind because he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's kind of crazy how how Veronica is so taken with him at the beginning. Right, she she gets wise in the you know towards the middle after you know mm-hmm. the first three suicides. Quote, quote, quotes, yeah, yeah. She becomes wise and is like, no, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. But it's kind of interesting at the beginning how he just completely takes over and kind of manipulates her to the point where it's. She's just kind of going along blindly. She she mm-hmm. asks very few questions. So he he kind of has her under this strange spell where she's just 
So let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So to loop it back into other discussions that we've had so far on this podcast, you said you've listened to them. Cool. Dope. Thank you. (laughs) So with Matt, we talked about obfuscation a lot. Matt was a very, he and I came to a very structural definition of horror. Yeah. JD's obfuscation. And I kind of agree with him on that. I think that, I think that there, if you want to look at it structurally, there's a way to do that. Yeah. I don't think it's the perfect way, but it's strong to me. Sure. Yeah. And I keep using that because I just like it because it's nice to sort of help break down these little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. So if we look at JD, JD is that is a combination of a couple of those bits, right? Not just the character that stands in the way, but also the monster and functions as an uh, as like what creates the obfuscation, like what Veronica can't see. Yeah. So his manipulation, it's not just that he's like the character. He's not the mayor in Jaws, right? He's not right. the... Oh, he's not the camp counselor from Sleepaway Camp. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Right? He's... He's causing the chaos and also covering up the chaos. Right. So it's it's very it's very deliberate and it's very Or at least pointing mani- to some other direction, right? Redirecting yeah. her attention. Yeah. It's um, very manipulative and it's very... It's very understandable. Like, this movie does get high schoolers in a way. Yeah. I know that it's like, oh, it's a campy 80s movie. It's about high schoolers. Like, they don't really... F- Act like that. I was like, nah, they kind of do though. Like, there is they're not killing each other. Of, tightened. Yeah. But it's not crazy to think that, like, okay, the the one weird girl who's in the popular clique suddenly has someone else who's kind of like her and gets her, and who seems to have some sort of empathy or compassion or something like that for others, which she does too, and no one else seems to have. Yeah. So I get that her weird boy who stands up to the bullies and like freaks them out by firing blanks at them she should have seen she should have known that from the beginning never mind veronica's unsalvageable yeah i i i struggle with veronica as as a character because i do think i think she's been i think everyone in the movie has been a little sheltered yeah definitely. and then jd comes into town with all this like horrifying knowledge and 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 just things that he's been through that probably nobody else in this high school has even come close to being yeah very doubtful yeah I mean, they're in, like, what, suburbia, Ohio or something. It's like Shaker Heights, yeah. Yeah, and so she's like, this is unlike anything I've seen before, and she was craving that. Because I struggle because I think she's a very intelligent person. I think she just, the boredom got the best of her, and she found something exciting. And when you first, I'm going to venture to say this is probably her first, like, time maybe falling in love. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and that is a powerful thing, especially when your hormones are raging and yes. like all of that. So I just think that the poor thing just I don't know couldn't handle it. Couldn't couldn't handle it. Was Got not wet pre- for the first time and just like went well, on that ride. Well, was not prepared for you know delusion and yeah, uh, just the manipulation and everything. When you're young enough that you usually haven't seen someone be just utterly manipulative yeah her parents seem very sound chandler she's yeah like she's familiar with it through that but that's one that wears it's it doesn't wear a mask like heather chandler doesn't pretend to be nice no it's that's where this like comes apart from mean girls like regina george yeah at least fakes being nice yeah heather Uh, does not yeah she is a tyrant yeah well and that's what's kind of so interesting is that in the beginning you everyone is thinking that you know the heathers are the monsters right because they have this like social hierarchy and maybe without them there wouldn't be this social hierarchy or maybe there always is a queen bee i don't know it's like a feudal system yeah a feudal system and but then when when jd comes in and he's a real monster but he's again in sheep's clothing right like what it raises a question of like what's better just like you know be up front like yeah i'm a mean bitch or like or be someone who is manipulative and but like i'm gonna kill you with some eklug bullets yeah that i have told people are blanks or you know or we'll just knock them out for a second well it's another bit that like yeah it's telling the audience what's going on if you speak german Yes, exactly. Because it means I lie, which they reveal later, but yeah. Yes. Back to if this is a horror film or not. So on JD is a monster. Yes. And indisputably, he is a monster and the worst kind because he makes you think that he's not. Yeah. He makes you trust him. Mm -hmm. And then he does some really shitty things. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think he's a monster. I definitely think this film is a comedy. I definitely think it's It's funny. It's funny as fuck. I think it's definitely funny, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be a horror film because we do have like... Dale and Tucker. Tucker and Dale. Tucker and Dale. Yeah. I always forget the name of it, but it's one of my favorites. Anyway. Cabin in the Woods falls into that. Evil. Every Evil Dead falls into that. Even like the the scariest Evil Dead, which is the 2013 yeah. soft reboot. Yeah. There's jokes in there too. And if I'm putting 
if I'm putting myself in the parent's shoes, Mm -hmm. I would consider this a horrifying situation. Yeah. My child is going to a high school where they're, they think it's been mass suicide. Well, it's a rash of them. Yeah. There's several all in the same class. Yeah. And that, I think, I think for parents, especially this movie was made, what, in the, it's made in the late 80s? It was released. Early 90s? Yeah, no, it was late 80s. So it was released in the U.S. in 89. It was released in Italy in 88. So it's somewhat of a of a response to that. If people, yeah. you know, people really started talking about suicide and, and, and in particular teenage suicide, then this is like kind of, it is definitely a dark comedic response to that. Mm-hmm. It's, there's actually a killer on the loose, yeah. but they're masking it as like suicide packs. Mm-hmm. And then eventually a mass suicide that Mm -hmm. doesn't end up happening see this is where i start to to struggle with the argument is do we just leave it as a dark comedy or can we put it in the horror category because it's one of the two for me yeah and i'm not sure so i'm gonna go ahead and say it straddles for now and i i'll I'll, i i should i meant to say this earlier and i I apologize i too am not sure about this movie um and i I was i wanted this conversation to help me figure out how i feel about this movie because i've thought this a lot is like even even when I was in college or grad school, something like that, I was I was thinking about this as a horror movie sometimes. And I think you bringing up Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is a really great one to use. Yeah, because so, that's very funny. It goes for the jokes. It's hilarious. It God, goes for the so jokes, good. but it's also pretty horrifying. Yeah, so just like to just bring up the parallels, because like Joseph and I talked about American Psycho and why I think it's mimicking a horror movie. Mm-hmm to make a point but not that point is not to be a horror movie yes and the director out and out said mary heron has said explicitly it's not a horror movie Mm -hmm. no one has ever no one from the production team has ever denied that this is a horror movie and in fact i think that they wanted it to be when they first made it Mm -hmm. um i think they wanted it to be like a horror opus because originally the writing team wanted stanley kubrick to direct it okay because they wanted it to be a three hour long movie Got it. Done by Kubrick. And I think that it would still maintain some of the jokes. His comedy's a little weak, but he has moments when he's like Full Metal Jacket has some seriously funny, weird moments. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're not wrong to think that he could have done a decent job with this. I would not love this movie nearly as much if it was directed by Kubrick. Got it. But I think that that is a version like the horror is in the script. It's there. And I think that that's really where this comes apart from American Psycho for me. Right. Yeah. American Psycho mimics a horror movie but refuses to be one Heather's I don't think it mimics one I think it is one like I look at it and I'm like okay well if we talk about Tucker and Dale versus evil and we say that mm-hmm. that is absolutely a horror movie we I have a similar character we have the, does, the yeah. super jock character yeah in Tucker and Dale is an alternate version of JD right yeah the person who's really fucked up and just seems like they at first seems like they're just a dick and mm-hmm. then it turns out that they're like a murderous dick uh, yeah. you have a rash of apparent suicides which in Tucker and Dale is all played for a joke because they're all accidental deaths. Right. But in this movie, it's actual murders. And I think that that really does push this towards horror. No, like, I was about to say, I think I think what I'm the conclusion that I'm coming to right now as you're talking is that is that the fact, okay, so let's say that JD was not a manipulative asshole. Right. Let's say that let's say that he just Let's say that the plot was different and he just, him and Veronica mm-hmm. just talked about killing people and just talked about suicide and just talked about this stuff. But then someone did actually like commit suicide. So the things are, they speak nothing. it into existence. They speak it in, like, let's say that they are innocent bystanders, but they kind of spoke it into existence and mm-hmm. that's how this movie played out. I wouldn't consider that a horror film. I would consider that like a a quirky like turn of events. Right. Oh, so you're saying if it kept all the same comedic beats, but every time they'd mentioned somebody dying, somebody there was no action. Yeah, there's a way to play that. That's actually a fun script that I definitely would want to write. Anyway, thank you. But the fact you're welcome. But the fact that JD has premeditated. All of the deaths yes. in this film, and then ultimately his own. Yes, which I don't. I think that's kind of an in the moment thing, and maybe that's just 
his psychosis and him hurting and he just wants it to end so he commits his own suicide. Yeah. I don't I don't I do exactly. like that the musical kind of gives us a little bit more of an in there. That's yeah. just where I'm going to bring it up where it does give us a little more insight into the character. It yeah. sympathizes him too hard, which totally. we've talked about, totally. but yeah. Yeah, I think that he has some serious serious issues, but Right. He clearly doesn't want to kill himself at, from the from the beginning. From the beginning, no. No. That may change, but like no, he says like no, no. You and me, we're going to make it out of this. Yeah. We're not the dinosaurs. We're chaos. Chaos killed the dinosaurs, baby. Oh my god, I love that line. I yeah, I think that if the fact that JD all of his murders mm-hmm. are premeditated, manipulative, he he enlists Veronica in this crazy suicide. Yeah. fake suicide thing and completely tricks her Tricks everyone else, too. Like, I think the adults think of him as like, oh, he's a troubled soul. But, like, they don't take it seriously. Yeah. I think the fact that all of these murders took some thought. Yeah, he's a serial killer. He's a serial killer. He does multiple of them. And then he's planning a mass, quote unquote, suicide. Mm -hmm. He's killing every... Like, I think that is what edges it towards a horror film for me. Yes, it's an easy watch. I think it's very easy to watch. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I There's think it's tough fun. About the movie. I think it's I think you definitely watch it and you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I don't know. It's as we're talking, the fact that JD is such a fucking monster. Yeah. Pushes it towards horror for me. Maybe not like completely, but no, it's pushing it, like it more in that direction than it is a dark comedy. Because a dark comedy, let's see, let's let's name a couple dark comedies. Are there any dark comedies where there are where there's a monster? Yeah, it, that's because I see them as being more situational, like right. like the Adam Sandler movie where yeah. he has cancer. Yeah, funny and, people. Like, yeah, yeah. Or and where it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has cancer and yeah. another Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> where I've always seen those as being like more situational, where yeah, you've got this thing or this thing's happening to you that really fucking sucks. And that's more dramedy, I guess. Yeah. The Garden State, I think, falls into that. Yeah. I don't know. What what are some, though? Do you, do you um, have any off the top of your head that we can maybe just talk about for a second? I mean, the Coen brothers come to mind. Mm-hmm. Fargo, definitely. Like, there's a there's a killer on the loose right. in that train spotting but the monster is themselves but that works because they're all addicted to the heroin mm. Shaun of the Dead where there's literal just like a the, like a whole London worth of monsters true I guess it doesn't have but to be situational that's just how I've always no, viewed it no but then it. here's the thing I think we'd had a horror movie that was funny because it was campy right we'd had that already that was yeah. a, that's been a thing for that's been a thing ever. for a while mm-hmm. Vincent Price was a big part of that totally uh, obviously Sam Raimi George Romero like we'd had mm-hmm. definitely we'd had horror movies that were funnier than they were scary yes um, but people have still considered them horror right we'd never had well no when did death becomes her come out I'm trying to think though like there's very few very there's like Heather's I, I don't want to say it starts the genre but it's among the first mm-hmm. that really, really gives us this thing that we use later. Right. Raising Arizona would have come out around this time, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that a... It's not a dark comedy in the same way that Heather's is. Right. It's just Nick Cage and Holly Hunter steal a baby. That's just right. funny. Right, right. <laughs> and like Thelma and Louise, they kill people, but they're, they've earned it. Isn't it like men who have wronged them and yeah. stuff like that? It's kind of like nine to five. Yes. Because that, I mean, that's kind of dark. I mean, they're they're like. Yeah, but it's all played in a different way. Like you don't yeah. dig. Like if you dig in a nine to five, it doesn't get worse. True. Right? True. It's just on the surface. They all hate their boss. He's a piece of shit. It's kind of like satisfies a fantasy. Right. Because I think a lot of people. It's a wish fulfillment, but it's not. Yeah. Especially women in the workplace, you know, feeling Absolutely. mistreated by yeah. men, quote unquote, above them or whatever in the chain and How on the ladder. How dare you Lily Tomlin? She is a national treasure. Um, Dolly Parton, hello. I'm. I was getting to Dolly. Anyway. So yeah, I think everything after this that I can, I, I can only name things that are of the type you're talking about that come out after this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that I can think of, but there's not many. Which may just be a testament to like how well this movie's were written and directed, because mm-hmm. it is, uh, yeah. and I think it doesn't often make those lists. But that's not really I mean, that's not the point of this. But I do want to point it out that like this movie is really well done. Yes, 
there's I not agree. many points in this movie where I'm like, like I think about directing, I think about editing, I think about the cinematography is fine. Like there's no there's no point in it that I'm like, oh shit, hell yeah. Like it's not it's not high art in the cinematography, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be all the time. Sometimes it yeah. just needs to get the fucking job done. I think it done. would be kind of weird in this one if it was like high art. I would just be like, or if you, it was heightened they, anyway, and it would be, and yeah. that's what I was talking about with Kubrick. I think it would be if it was that it was the case, and I don't think I would like it as much. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen it thirty fucking times. Yeah, I would have seen it twice. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's 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 a ju- it's a movie where everybody showed up and did their job, which I love. Yes, you, we, yes. you and I have talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like there are just certain pieces of work that everyone needs to show up with the same thing in mind, and the only person who didn't was Shannon Doherty, mm-hmm. or she just like thought. I, I told you this last night. I was reading, and she's like, she ran at the fucking cast screening crying because she thought it was a drama the whole time. Oh my and gosh. she didn't want to swear, and she didn't want. She was unhappy about the explicit lines, and the director, and the writer, and producer said, uh, "No, this is great. This is so good. This dumb bitch doesn't know what the fuck's going on." <laughs> That's <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> I love it. So I have kind of one more theory, and then I'm going to wrap up my thoughts yeah. on it. So in the movie, like I like I said, it opens with Veronica being, you know in the click right you know being a popular girl but we do have some notions of her maybe her life before the heathers um, right yeah we she's get very, hints of that. she's actually she's very sympathetic yeah you'd said that i mean and we only know this because of the looks that she gives certain people and the things that she doesn't she's say got a to lot people. of empathy yeah she, yeah she fights back against heather yeah, she she clearly isn't like completely brainwashed and sold on the Heathers. Thinks so, it's stupid that they're doing this whole thing to Martha. This is this is a time where I am going to bring up the musical. I'm sure one or more of our listeners have at least listened to it or seen it. And if not, it's worth your time, and it's only forty five ish minutes worth of music. I think so. Yeah, an hour maybe. So in the musical, because it made it just made more sense for that medium in the beginning, Veronica is not popular. We go right. we go before the movie a little mm-hmm. bit, but only for the first song. Mm-hmm. In the first song, Veronica is lamenting about how her life sucks and how she just wants, you know, a break from all of these rude, awful high school tropes. You know, like mm-hmm. she runs into the jocks and they, you know, she tries to stand up to them and they say, you have a sit right there. And she's just like, for the love of fucking God, can I just like have a break from this? So she desperately wants to be yes. in the Heather's clique because oh, yeah. That's she what the whole first song's about, yeah. It's her. They're solid Teflon. Nothing can, you know, nothing can touch them. Nobody makes fun of them. Nobody talks shit on them. So she desperately wants to be in this clique. And then mm-hmm. in the middle of the song, you know, she she's forged a note for them. And it just kind of like gets on their good side. And she's like, I, I crave a boon. What boon? <laughs> um, and she's she's like, let me sit with you at lunch, like just for, you know, this once. And then by the end of the song, they're like, all right, we're going to do like a full on makeover. Mm-hmm. Like we got 16 bars. We're going to give you a makeover. And then she sings her last 16 bars, which are really fun. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, who the fuck is that? Who's with Heather? Veronica. Yeah, Veronica. exactly. So I have a theory that because of what the movie had already shown us and mm-hmm. then what the musical kind of dove into that this is kind this could be argued as a selling of the soul sort of thing like, like a like a Robert Johnson yeah like Veronica soul to soul wanted at the to be the best guitar player ever and she's selling her soul at the high school just to, to get by fuck <laughs> to, damn that's dark like <laughs> i mean well it, it it's a shark tank out there and there's I, a lot of mean girls mean mean girls you're a mean girl you're a bitch wrong movie but anyway i i think this could be argued that it's one of those like she sold her soul to the devil and i'm it already on board i, I like want to push back against this but no i already see it working like every piece of that layer works well in every single one of those narratives it doesn't end up well Right. It doesn't end well. There's there's some there's, there's some fall. fine there's some fine print in that yep. contract, or you know it just it just all goes to shit, and it goes to shit pretty quickly for Veronica because she like won't have sex with that guy. She throws up on Heather at the party, and then Heather deems to make her life miserable, and then cut to Veronica writing angrily in her diary. I'm a dead ab- girl walking about yeah about Heather, and then you know she meets JD, and she's like oh I just want Heather gone like this is not how I planned, and then. JD's like, well, let's just kill her. <laughs> it's almost as if the wish continues, though. Though, if you take, if you take that theory, it's mm-hmm. like the wish continues to fulfill. Yeah. She wished to be popular. 
Yeah. She wished to be solid Teflon. Yeah. And, and she and with JD, she kind of was. People were yeah. kind of afraid of him. Yeah. Um, and the problems were just moving out of her way. No more Ram. Mm-hmm. No more no more Heather Chandler. But it wasn't the way that she would have wanted it. Right. So that is kind of my last thought and argument to make it a horror film. I think I'm leaning more towards it is a horror film. Yeah. Um, looking at the context of the time and looking at the context of maybe what happened outside of the movie just before mm-hmm. the movie started. I'm just I'm not going to completely gung ho say it is a horror film and that everybody's going to think so, but I am definitely leaning more towards it than I was before we started this conversation. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to two feet jump in yet, but I am I'm definitely much more on board than I was when I started. I didn't realize that I was actually I was I was leaning anti. I didn't realize that. So was I actually. Uh, I was I was going to As we had this conversation, I definitely I I I feel like it is. And he, and so I want to do a little breakdown at the end just to talk about sort of why. Yeah. And what it can teach us about horror. Yeah. So just to be clear on the points, we are both leaning towards horror. I'm going to say I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to say a very weak yes, but I'm going to say yes just to make it nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Wrap a, a little bit of a bow around it, although I'm not great at tying bows. So there we go. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I will I will say yes. So I would say the reasons why we do have a serial killer, we do have obfuscation, we do have a threat, mm-hmm. and that is a plausible threat. We could watching it in a certain way. You could definitely feel fear for Veronica's life. If you're watching this, I remember watching this the first time, and I didn't know if I didn't know if uh, Winona Ryder survived. I didn't know who survived. Like you know, mm-hmm. watching going into this first time, I actually loved that I came into this movie in high school, and my mom was a big fan of it because it came out right before I was born, and it was like one of the, she's like one of the things that she saw before she had mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she has a strong connection to this movie too. Totally. It was something that I, I watched in high school. Said this is dope. This is fun. This is weird. But also, I did feel definitely tension, which yes. is something you have to. I think that it is necessary to have tension in a horror movie, mm-hmm. not know the outcome necessarily. Yeah. I think we're hitting a lot of the structural elements that we've talked about. We have an yeah. obfuscator, we have obfuscation, we have dramatic irony to a certain degree, we have fear for a protagonist mm-hmm. uh, and other characters in the film. And it's not just horrifying, mm-hmm. which is something that Joseph and I talked about too. And I want to be, I, I, we should dig in a little bit on whether or not JD is horror and a monster or if he's if he's like Patrick Bateman and he's just horrifying because there's some there's stuff to dig into there. Right. So, I'll go ahead and say that I don't think he's the same as Patrick Bateman. And the reason why JD yeah, is a is a straight white guy in America in the late 80s, not a bad place to be, but he also is struggling in a lot of different ways he's got a bad home well his dad seems to love him enough but like yeah i understand that like that he's he's in the the tough he's in a different sort of version of like sean hunter from boy meets world i think he had to grow up really fast yeah and just didn't manage that well yeah and so i think that yeah we have a character who doesn't hate any particular group like patrick bateman hates people because they are in his way Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing about JD is that he seems to just kill kind of for the sport of it. Yes, he has yeah. this thing about how he has to move around from place to place and everywhere's the same. There's always, you know, right. there's always going to be Heathers. There's always going to be the jocks that suck. There's always, you know, and he's tired of that. But I also just am kind of like, that's not a strong enough argument to kill someone. Yeah. And You're out of high school and like what they're juniors or seniors or something. Yeah. Like you were, you just have to survive like the rest of us. You just have to mm-hmm. suck it up. You don't have to fucking You've got kill like 18 people. Eighteen months till you're yeah. done at yeah. most, and then you can go to college or not. Like mm-hmm. you kind of get to decide there. Yeah. But here's the thing, I think you don't have to kill people. Everyone's no. going through similar things, and yes, it's depressing. Yes, it's like fucked up yes people are gonna do some really fucked up things to you because it's like it's high school and i know that we shouldn't stand for that but it's also like you shouldn't kill people for that right and so jd's murders are a little more wanton is what we're getting at right yeah like he's a little more like he has a point he has a purpose he has an ultimate goal yeah he does have an mmo like i like i want to i do want to say that like he is a serial killer because he does have a certain like pattern to things he does have a a raison d'etre Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a raison de faire. Uh, yeah. Like a reason to do the thing. So he is a little more of a true, true villain. Like Patrick Bateman is just like, he's nothing. And that's the point of the movie is that he's nothing. 
That's why. JD's that's not why I like JD's your, very, very something. There's that's why a whole I like your theory about the mimicking. Yeah. Because yeah, it's kind of like Patrick Bateman. You're like, oh, okay. But with JD, he's Michael you're Myers. Like, if we knew stuff about Michael Myers, and we find out if we were to find out more about Michael Myers, which we do in a few of the movies, yeah, it doesn't really help the movie that much. Like, yeah. finding out that he's Laurie Strode's brother is cool. Yes, yes. Like that's in, a cool in Halloween Two, that's a nice that's, that's a that's nice cool. reveal, and it makes things make a little more sense. Yeah, which it didn't need to. I was fine with it not making it just being whatever, but it does yeah. help the context a little bit. Learning more about Michael Myers, though, of like just wanton killer of women and the occasional man who's in his way mm-hmm. doesn't make him scarier. In fact, it makes him a joke, right? Like, yeah. and that's what it is about. I think I think that Patrick Bateman would be like, okay, behind the mask of yeah of Leatherface or of mm-hmm. of Michael Myers. Like, why do they kill? Because they kill, and that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, because they're 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 this empty vessel. JD is not an empty vessel. JD yeah. has reason for being and reason for doing, right? Yeah. But he's, that's what makes him scary. That's makes him scarier than the Patrick Bateman type. Yeah. And he's just like something about him that's just a little unhinged. Like, yeah. He, his reasoning for killing people is just like not sound. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's never sound, but you know what I mean? Like nobody, like we all kind of understand when like, you know, a woman is wronged by a man or has been beaten by a man yes. for years and then gets revenge by just like, Slipping a little arsenic in his coffee or whatever. Or like, putting a thirty-eight to his chest or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, we all kind of are like, you know what? Killing people is not great, but like, all right. you know. But like, I understand your justification here. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't understand any of JD's justifications. I understand them. They're just wrong. And that's yeah. what I like. That's what I like. Because, like, I'll tack on an additional sort of uh, elucidating thing we can use to talk about horror. Mm-hmm. I hope. Elucidating. I, I want it to, like, sort of bring light to all this stuff. Or help us understand the genre a little bit more. In that, I don't know. I think there might be an incompatibility between nihilism and horror. Mm-hmm. I think a horror movie where nothing matters mm-hmm. isn't horrifying and can't. It, it, the actions themselves can be horrifying. Like I look at any of the individual murders, like I said on the last week, any of the individual murders I look at at American Psycho, I'm horrified by them. I'm horrified by the reasons for them because they're. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it, I, the hor- I'm horrified by nihilism, but it doesn't scare me. Yeah. It annoys the shit out of me. Okay. I think it's the same reason that I would say No Country for Old Men is not a horror movie. Got it. Because we he's well, yeah, we can get into that, but like it's it's No, I think that's good. I think It's that, a great movie, that's... but it's not it's not a horror movie and it, even though it it, com- it contains elements of that. It, like he was intentionally modeled after Antonio Gurr was definitely modeled after Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Great. Still not a horror movie. Right. Um and I think it's like, like because nihilism leaves you with nothing. You can't be f- afraid of it. You can't feel anything about it other than like, yes, this does not matter. Yeah. And I think about like movies made at that time. It's hard to have a connection to nihilism. Yeah. And that that I think is what draws a lot of people towards a certain emotion or, draw, you know. It, it also it, makes people think that movies are good, even though they're not. Well, it, I, I think it's just. Sounds smart or whatever. You've got to you've got to feel something for someone. You've got to be upset that someone dies or how they die. Yeah. Or, you know, you've you've got to feel something and I think nihilism doesn't help. Well, if nothing's the ma- like if nothing If nothing has, matters then well, nothing it's not that matters. nothing yeah, it's a, and I don't want to be I don't want to get yelled at by other philosophers cuz I've done that before. <laughs> um no, nihilism is like specifically like the the world lacks meaning and we give it meaning. Right. Yeah, so it's a, that the, the nothing in the world has inherent meaning and we have to give everything meaning. Mm-hmm. When JD is it in does he say our love is god in the movie? He does, right? Yes. yes. He does. Okay, yeah. That is so the line like, in the movie. When he says our love is god, JD is a kind of nihilist, but he's found the meaning to give it, so he's that post-nihilist, right? Got it. Okay. He was stuck in the nihilistic phase, the staring into the abyss. Yes. And then found a way to give his life meaning. I think Veronica was if so this fucks with your theory, but if Veronica was just as much mm-hmm. something for him as he was for her, mm-hmm. she was the thing who at least inspired him to find meaning in the world. And I think that's fine. I don't think that necessarily fucks with my theory because I do think that there is some there's gotta be some sort of transaction there. And I do right. think that I do think that it's always a two way street when mm-hmm. it comes to that sort of thing. So I don't think that really fucks with my theory as much. Um because I don't, I don't think that his manipulation was completely premeditated. I do think that he found an opportunity in yeah. Veronica and took it. And I'm not saying that it was completely emotionless. I do, I, I do agree with you there, where he kind of 
found his meaning, but again, complete like psychosis took right, over and he took yeah. it to the nth degree yeah. and then ended up manipulating her and hurting multiple people yes. and all of that and then ultimately led to his demise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think that fucks with my theory as much and I agree with that actually. I know we said we were going to wrap it up and then we kind of went Well, no, I, I had some more stuff. You, you were wrapping it up. I run oh, the show, Oh, you weren't ready. Miss. Sorry, you weren't ready. Oh, my I God. I was not ready. I run this piece. You are in my office now. Well, do we have any other questions? Um, actually, no. <laughs> well, okay. My final, my final thoughts. Always got to have the last word. Um, no, you can have it after. <laughs> I'm just hijacking the show. Um... <laughs> We're doing this at gunpoint. She's got bullets labeled Ikaluba. Chaos was what killed the dinosaurs, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me gently with the chainsaw. Again, later, dear. Okay. To wrap this up for me, I just want I just want to say that like the reason why we love to talk about this sort of thing, whether something's horror or not, is because it may not be straightforward. I know some people out there want things to be black and white. Yeah. But I fully believe that art can be gray Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that is something that is beautiful and continues this conversation and it's what keeps you know certain artworks like alive if people aren't talking about it and bringing up new points and and all of that then essentially it you know it starts to lose its its clout and its meaning and 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 all of this so I don't someone's been reading their Neil Gaiman anyway I do like Neil Gaiman. But, we both do. But yeah, that's that's kind of my conclusion here is that it's not a bad thing that we don't, we're not 100% one way or the other. Yeah. I think it's totally fine. Of course, it's fun when we come to the conclusion that something is like definitely not or definitely mm-hmm. is. But I don't know. Um, let us know. I'm like what, 70% there on Heather's. Yeah, I would say that's a solid percentage. Um, let us know what you think, though. If, yeah. if you guys if you guys have any thoughts, you can always send us a message on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. If you really want to get into it with me, though, you're going to have to hit me up on Twitter. He's on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And then our website is also HorrorBabesPod.com. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. We like to talk about all of this clearly. Yeah, I keep getting hours. yelled at in bars by all of our friends about, like, I'm, I'll am i be working. They're like, oh, hey, uh, uh, I want to talk to you about things. Like, dude, I've got a tray full of dishes right now. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my way. I love it. But yeah, do you have any any final thoughts? No, I'm just a, I'm just a dead girl walking. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>